With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Everybody to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Of course, I'm Jake Kukorowski. We've got Owen Reese. We've got a lot to get to later in the show. We'll have a lot of your questions, basically, in our Wisconsin mailbag. Thank you, guys. talking some NFL draft repercussions. We, of course, there are two Wisconsin Badgers that were drafted by the Miami Dolphins. So two Badgers heading to South Beach dealing with the heat, humidity, but also no snow uh, or cold weather, at least right now. And to help us talk about Michael Dieter and Andrew Van Ginkle with the AFC East organization, we have Josh Houts from the Finsider, our SB Nation cousins that cover the Dolphins. Josh, my friend, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. I mean, I enjoyed the draft that we had. I'm excited about the Josh Rosen trade, and I'm excited to talk about these two Wisconsin Badgers because I think at least one of them is going to have an impact right away. And absolutely. And, you know, when you know, initially, I mean, it looked like earlier uh, this week, this past weekend, I saw, you know, you saw Michael Dieter, you saw on social media him talking to reporters uh, what have you seen initially from the rookie minicamp that took place this past weekend about the two players uh, for Dieter on the offensive line and, and, you know, the kind of the initial reactions to both Dieter and Andrew Van Ginkle? Yeah, I mean, it was just rookie minicamp, so I don't know how much you can take away from it. You know, new regimes in there, Brian Flores, defensive-minded. Uh, you got Chad O'Shea on the offensive side, so they're doing a little bit of, you know, kind of evaluating the roster that they inherited and then the players that they brought in. For me, Michael Dieter, he's been bouncing around on the offensive line. I think they're going to try him uh, probably at center a little bit. Obviously, he can probably move outside if he had to, but I think their ultimate plan is going to be to have him at guard. I think uh, given the competition that he has, I mean, you look at the Dolphins' depth chart, uh, Jesse Davis, I mean, he's another player that they can move around. So him and Michael Dieter will be battling there. They brought in Chris Reed this this offseason. Isaac Asiata, they think he might be able to do something. Uh, but for me, I think Michael Dieter is going to be the one of these players that's just going to come in right away. You know, if he can get everything, if he can get acclimated to the system, if he can get the offense down, I think he's going to be a guy that they can pretty much, you know, pencil in there at the starting guard spot. If if he can hold off the competition that there is there, he's likely to be a day one starter. Dolphins desperately need offensive line help. Josh Rosen desperately needs offensive line help. 
And I mean, I like that pick. It was a position that they haven't addressed in many years. Adam Gase went on record to say that he didn't think it was a premium position. Uh, Josh Sitton, they let him go and he ended up retiring. So Michael Dieter, glove fit there. For me, AVG, I mean, that's a guy that as soon as he was drafted, the first thing I noticed was that beautiful blonde hair. Uh, he's going to come in here, and I think he's going to have a role as, mostly on special teams right away. Not quite sure how he'll uh, handle, you know, getting more reps during the season. I do know he's very good at blitzing the quarterback, and I think that's something that this New England-style defense is going to utilize very often. But for me, I think he's more of a special teams player early. I'm excited. I mean, I think AVG can play inside and outside, so he does have a role there. But for me, these are two guys that I think the Dolphins organization is very excited about. All right. So, yeah, and as you mentioned with Van Ginkle, I think special teams is probably his initial uh, value to the team. Um, and you with Dieter that he's going to likely just be an interior lineman, uh, at least to begin with, wherever the Dolphins need. Uh, for those unfamiliar, the Patriots defense uh, over the past few years has had a linebacker spot that's um, not really a linebacker, but not really a a rush guy, kind of a jack of all trades, plays a bit of coverage and blitzes. Uh, in New England, that was Kyle Van Noy, uh, and before that was Rob Ninkovich. Has there ever been any talk with the coaching staff, or do you think that that's something that they foresee with Van Ginkle, kind of a guy without a true position moving forward to the next level, kind of banking on his athleticism uh, to help early with special teams? Yeah, I think that's the perfect name. I mean, you hit it right on the head. I mean, I think that's the kind of player that they see in AVG. I think he can come in and have that type of impact. Again, I mean, they got a pretty good linebacking core. They got Jerome Baker. They got Raquan McMillan. And then you got Kiko Alonso. Some fans are down on, you know, he's eventually going to be uh, moving on probably next season after that contract they can move. But I think AVG, yep, Kyle Van Noy, that's the guy that uh, I think a lot of fans and I think the organization foresees him becoming. And when it, when it comes to, I guess, just initial reactions, even just taking a, a quick step back, just in terms of with this, uh, I guess overall with the draft for the Dolphins, you can say like going just overall. Uh, I know it's a you know they're they're rebuilding the team. I mean they got Josh Rosen as you mentioned. You're excited for that for the quarterback there from UCLA and former Arizona Cardinal. But uh, you know what were the overall reactions to not you know not just the, the overall draft, but really just the kind of the the two selections of, of the Wisconsin standouts. And you know if you know even I, I remember doing a Q and A, but uh, a priority at linebacker wasn't this wasn't there wasn't necessarily a priority at linebacker for the dolphins but what were your reactions to just the draft of the dolphins uh and then also just really the selections of the two wisconsin players well overall i mean i was very happy with the way the dolphins drafted i mean christian wilkins he's a guy that you know he might not be the sexiest pick but he can come in there and have an immediate impact can be moved around all throughout the front seven i think brian flores is going to love having him then you look for that second-round pick that you traded. You move back with New Orleans. Then you traded that to get Josh Rosen. Picked up a second next year in the trade down. I mean, it was it was pretty much the best two, the best way that the first two days could go, in, in my opinion. And the Dolphins hit that, hit a home run out of the park with that. And then you talked about Michael Dieter. Dolphins had a huge, huge need on the offensive line. I mean, you see the type of talent there. Started 54 games. I mean, he's going to come in, and again, I think he's going to have an immediate impact. I think he's going to start there and – I mean, I think he said it. He's he's a mauler. He's going to go out there and he's just going to he's just going to maul people. I mean, this is a guy who the Dolphins should get used to because he's going to be on that offensive line, hopefully, for several years to come. I know you guys uh, read that article that Kevin put out, and I know that AVG was a guy that many people thought may have gotten drafted a bit higher. Uh, so that was a pick that you know 
you saw him come off the board and you're like, okay, I, I got to do some research on this guy because I mean, you, you saw him maybe going in the last round, maybe going undrafted, you know, you're not quite sure where he might've ended up, but the dolphins obviously for saw, saw something in him. I think Kyle Van Noy, you nailed it on the head. I think that's the type of player they're expecting to get with him. Then you look at Isaiah Prince, the tackle there from Ohio state. Again, he's a guy that started all 41 games played in the big 10. I mean, they're pretty good there at Ohio state. So that's a guy Dolphins just let Jawan James walk. So you got to kind of see Isaiah Prince coming in there and being some depth on the offensive line, maybe eventually becoming a starting right tackle. Then Chandler Cox, the fullback. Anytime you draft a fullback, you got to be excited about that. Uh, one of the better fullbacks in college football. He's going to go out there and make an impact, you know, in the run game. I, he's a blocker. Dolphin fans are very excited about Chandler Cox. And then that last pick, Miles Gaskin. I mean, a speedster. He's going to come in there. You know, New England likes to rotate in those running backs. So I think he's going to have a pretty – Pretty big impact, you know, on special teams, maybe as a return man. And they're going to sprinkle him in there as a receiver. Undrafted free agents. I mean, I got to talk about Preston Williams because that guy is a, a second or third round talent that went undrafted. So Dolphin fans are excited about him. But overall, I, I like the draft. The two picks are going to come down to Josh Rosen. And Christian Wilkins is a safe pick. So it's going to come down to what Josh Rosen can do in Miami. And hopefully Michael Dieter can be the starting guard for many years. And hopefully AVG can be that Kyle Van Noy. Excuse me. I, I think this this draft for the Dolphins is very important to to set a foundation. I think the Dolphins are a team that, for a few years at least, uh, has seemed to not really have an identity. Whether they knew whether or not they could truly contend or not, um, so tearing them to the studs, I think, is is going well for them. Christian Wilkins and and he'd been renowned throughout the draft process for being a culture guy, uh, and I think it's it's kind of a uh, maybe a. An hand about the UW program uh, for those who are kind of outside of it that Wisconsin's just this blue collar hardworking um, you know maybe work or a, a try hard under athletic team uh, do, do you think that that Wisconsin culture uh, fits in with what Brian Flores is trying to do uh, like I said obviously Christian Wilkins was renowned for that at Clemson uh, do you think that that had a lot to do with Dieter and Van Ginkle being attractive to the Dolphins and Brian Flores as well Absolutely. I mean, these guys are good locker room players from what I've gathered. Uh, again, the potential for both of these players to be starters in the NFL. I mean, you got to kind of definitely think Dieter will be there. AVG could eventually make that that leap. But I mean, Brian Flores is bringing that New England style regime down to Miami. You know, they're starting to do things the right way. They didn't overspend in free agency. They're starting to build this thing, like you said, the right way. So I do think those are two key pieces that are just going to come right in there, become locker room guys, become uh, acclimated with the team and the offense. And I think uh, if they do the right things that they're going to be in the future plans for this team. Absolutely. I, I guess, you know, one of my last questions, you know, heading into this um, because you've laid out everything uh, that we we've uh, laid out in our agenda or answered everything that was in our agenda for tonight. I, I guess, what are your expectations for this team then with, you know, you've already laid out Dieter and Van Ginkle's kind of what, what could be expected out of them. But for this team that's rebuilding and you, you get a new quarterback and you have um, just th this draft, which seems solid and, and is building the foundation, but what, what are the next steps for this organization to become prominent uh, and, and really challenge in that AFC East division? Uh, and not just that, but the conference itself too. Well, let's first hope that Tom Brady retires because that can definitely help. I mean, that guy just <laughs> is ageless and we're just waiting, praying that eventually he just rides off into the sunset and gets out of our lives. But 
honestly, I mean, th- coming into this year, you know, you bring in a new coach, you, you promote Chris Greer, you bring in a kind of rebuild that front office up there. I mean, these guys, they have time. And I think that it's kind of a three-year plan going into it. They have a lot of money next season. We all know that the 2020 draft has four or five potential franchise quarterbacks that some think were better than most of the quarterbacks in this year's class. I mean, maybe outside of Kyler Murray, but the Dolphins, they really do have to evaluate what they have in Josh Rosen because if he's not the guy, yes, he's 22. Yes, he's only making $2.5 over the next three years. But you have to make sure that you know that he is the future because if he isn't, you need to go out there and you need to bring someone in next season when the 2020 draft has all these potential franchise caliber quarterbacks. So for me, I mean, I think that's first and foremost, but you got to bring in this, you got to kind of start building this foundation, like both of you have said, and you're seeing these young players, you're seeing the potential there, but me heading into this year, I mean, a lot of Dolphin fans, they were kind of writing this year off, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he was going to be the tank commander and now you're bringing Josh Rosen. You kind of ignited the fan base. So it's tough to say what they're, you're going to get out of this team. I mean, I, I know a lot of experts and analysts are saying, you know, this is the worst team in football. They said the same thing last year. You know, the Dolphins still fell into how many wins. It's it's bound to happen. But for me, I think maybe they win five or six games next season. You evaluate Josh Rosen. You find out maybe he is the franchise quarterback. I do believe he is. And from there, I mean, you have a if you have a franchise quarterback, I mean, you're going to next year with $120 million and you have two draft picks in the second, third, fourth, and fifth round. I mean, you have a plethora. You have the war chest of picks next year to build this thing the right way. $120 million in free agency. For me, I mean, you evaluate Josh Rosen. You have these players, you know, start to progress and, and learn the system and become acclimated with the NFL game, get that year under their belt. And 2020, I think that's when things are really going to be turned around, and that's when this team could really compete. And again, hopefully Tom Brady is no longer in the division. Josh Vance, great having you on. Uh, love to have you back on down the road to talk more uh, once you know training camp, the dust settles with training camp and see how these two former Badgers shape up and and how their roles are determined uh, after training camp. Man, appreciate your time and and looking forward to seeing what those two Badgers do in South Beach. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. It was it was fun talking about these two players. Dolphin fans are excited. Uh, thanks again for having me, guys. That's Josh Houts from. The Finsight are our SB Nation cousins that cover the Miami Dolphins. Now, you can also find Josh, by the way, on Twitter at H-O-U-T-Z, Houts. And uh, we're going to take a quick break, listen to some of our sponsors or some of our other podcasts that you can hear on the SB Nation radio network. We'll come back. Owen and I are going to actually answer your questions in our mailbag segment coming up here on Bucky's fifth podcast. We are back here on Bucky's fifth podcast. Jay Kokorowski, Owen Reese. We are in our mailbag segment. Big thanks again to Josh Houts from the Finsider to talk about Michael Dieter and Andrew Van Ginkle. But looking ahead now, like I said, it's mailbag time. We're going to answer your questions. Thank you guys. Hey, we asked like three hours before we were going to record and you guys came through with a bunch of questions. So let's get to it right away. Owen, first off from Andrew Rosen. Next big commitment, in our opinion, the fo- on the football side or the Housers? What do you think? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I think for the football side, at least, we'll start to see some of that in mid to late June uh, after the Badgers have their official visits. They have quite a few recruits. So I think that's probably where you're going to start to see that for football. One, depending on whether they're up or not or whether or not they're um, you 
know, just kind of trying to save face uh, for not immediately going to the the big rival of the school they just left in Marquette, obviously. Uh, it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see going to potential transfers. In my head, I would probably say the football uh, side of things in mid June. How long stretch this thing out? Um, whether or not they're truly undecided yet or not, or if they're just kind of still uh, not, to, for lack of a better term, going through the motions and going through these visits uh, for the sake of of the public optics for the whole situation. Yeah, I, I'm. I'll say for the football. Uh, my my thing it'll be just because all the official visits take place in mid June, like the you're starting to see the official visits for the weekend of June eighth, and then the I think it's like the week after that too. I think the Housers will be decided before that. I, I, I just because the and the reason why it's more based on the their schedule of visits. So now that spring semester is all done, but they've also, you know, they've already visited Wisconsin a couple weeks ago. Wisconsin rolled out the red carpet there from what it sounds like. And I mean, they were there at spring practice and I saw, you know, uh, two of the three assistant coaches. I saw Greg guard taken in. Uh, and then also you saw, uh, you know, I think Barry Alvarez, uh, the athletic director for Wisconsin was also there as, uh, as well. But uh, then, you know, it was reported last week, I think multiple reports, I think it was Jeff Goodman, and um, I'm trying to think who else it was. Uh, it's one more person. Uh, but the reports were they were going to go to Virginia last week, and this weekend will be Michigan State. I think they make a decision. I, I think I think just based off of that, and it's earlier, so they have a full month, I think. And, and you know, I think Wisconsin still has those scholarships available, and Taylor Curry's done now. There's only nine, you know, scholarship players for next year. I think the numbers are on their side, and you've seen the reports too, uh, just with some pers- personal relationships, with especially with like Trevor Anderson, who is their high school player, uh, their high school teammate. I think it's the Housers, um, but the, I don't. Obviously, when you have the Union Terrace. You have Madison during a summer weekend. I'm sure they're going to get at least a couple of verbal commitments, and uh, I'm get you know, and we'll see where they lie. But I'll go with the Housers first. Um, but yeah, um, let's go to the next question, Owen. All right, yeah, from Land OC eighty eight. How many scholarships are left left for this class? I believe he's probably uh, referring to football with that but um, the commitments in the class of 2020 uh, and from everything I've been able to put together and you can kind of see uh, read the tea leaves from the low amount of offers Jake I don't think this is going to be a very big class no and I think it really from what it sounds like maybe one to two per position is what I was that was what I've heard but really it's going to be with you have six verbal commitments right now and I think it's like 13 or 14 seniors and you may have, you know, you can have some attrition here and there and we'll see where that, where that goes. Uh, depending on players leaving, it is the way that 
each program has it around, you know, uh, towards the end of the year, uh, transfer stuff, all that other stuff that happens there. But uh, I'm thinking probably at least eight, I would think. I don't, uh, I'm still up in the air. I don't think they're going to, you haven't heard another 2020 quarterback commit, uh, you know, um, offered. And I think that's telling because usually you're in the game early with those quarterbacks. We've noted it on Bucky's fifth quarter the past two weeks. They've offered a bunch of quarterbacks already uh, for this 2021 class. So not even this recruiting cycle, but the next one. So I think one of those scholarships could go towards another position of need, maybe some defensive line, uh, maybe linebacker, maybe – you know, even yeah, you know, I think offense. I think offensive line they're pretty set, but I wonder what they do with defense. Uh, wonder what they do with running back. So we'll, we'll see where that could be used. Um, but I would say probably, I'd probably say maybe eight to ten more, possibly, possibly, and we'll see what happens with attrition there. So next question, uh, another question from Landoc there. What is the next step for Wisconsin to recruit with the likes of Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan? Uh, well, I guess keep this fairly short. I think this is a bit of a loaded question, but, but a couple of things. One, they need to continue to recruit well. Uh, Paul Christ is certainly not going to be mistaken for a recruiting savant or having Wisconsin in the top 10. Wisconsin's recruited consistently the guys that they've liked over the past couple of years. Uh, and that's, you're starting to see that come to fruition with the depth being built on the team uh, as well. I think the biggest thing is that Wisconsin's front seven on defense and their offensive line and with teams that are more talented than them throughout their roster. Uh, but the biggest thing is on the, and, and we've seen, Badgers with Ted Gilmore and, and Jim Lennon, impressive depth, both at receiver uh, and throughout the secondary. So I think that's the first thing. A, a receiver in particular, uh, obviously Badger fans would be the first to tell you uh, quarterback play probably isn't what they've expected or, or would like to see. But, uh, the talent at receiver is there, no doubt. Um, and then the secondary, they're very young. Then I start to see that become the backbone of this Badger defense. Uh, just from a talent perspective. So uh, to keep this question fairly short, uh, continue to recruit well, continue to recruit depth and talent on the perimeter, um, you know, and just hope for some of those home runs. Graham Mertz and, and Logan Brown are two of the top recruits UW's ever had, uh, and, and those guys are going to come every once in a while. Uh, but uh, really just incre- uh, quarterback play um, and and really just to continue that depth and, and athleticism and speed on the perimeter uh, that's that's going to put UW in a better position to compete than they have been in years past. All right, next question. Who will throw for more yards next season, Graham Mertz or Alex Hornibrook? I am being attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> I will say uh, Alex Hornibrook um, off of this, and that's just I think he's got a better chance at Florida State uh, right now uh, with their quarterback situation. Uh, I think he is the obviously a uh, experienced quarterback and something against Graham, obviously, but I still want to see what he does to possibly usurp and, or uh, overcome guys like Jack Cohn. I think Graham could be the number two going into camp in the fall camp in August, but I think Cohn 
I think has he, I mean, the, the number of reps with the first team were telling uh, to me that, that he showed that he was, I mean, at least in the practices open to media. Now we saw eight of the 15. I saw seven of the 15 just because I had to miss a day because one of my kids uh, had a stomach flu, but really it is. Um, I think Mertz has all the talent in the world. Uh, I, I think he showed an accurate arm. I thought he had an ability to make plays, uh, you know, outside the pocket, but he still has to beat out Cone. I know Hornybrook still has to beat out a couple quarterbacks in for Florida State, but I feel I think Hornybrook will have more of an opportunity to throw him for more yards next season. I'm not saying he's not going to throw as many interceptions because he's got to go go up against some good defenses in that ACC. However, I think right now my money's on Hornybrook. What about you? Yeah. I'll both play significant time or they both play the same amount. Uh, I think Graham Mertz has a chance to throw for more yards, uh, but I do think it probably has a better chance of being in a position to be leaned on. Uh, Florida State, um, they have James Blackman uh, as, a, as a returning player. He's rotated a bit in and out with DeAndre Francois, who's now dismissed from the program. Um, you know, due to due to injuries and whatnot, I will tell you, uh, Graham Mertz is in a much more advantageous zone. Uh, Florida State's offensive line is not very good. Uh, they haven't been for a few years, and they're continuing to uh, to try to rebuild that. And I'll tell you right now that that's something that Alex Hornerbrook will have to deal with. Uh, is more likely to play more, and I think they're throw for more yards. I think Graham Mertz is the same opportunity or if he's he's truly leaned on I think he could probably do it I think he's a more talented passer than Alex Hornerbrook is but um you know I I you there's no substitute for experience uh, or not I'd be shocked if he doesn't play in some capacity with Florida State and, and I think that um he'll probably end up throwing for more yards uh just due to the opportunity rather than than talent or uh ability Right. Uh, no, good call there. Last question. What's the deal with this new site manager? He's really handsome and funny and awesome. And well, I guess I don't have a follow-up question. That is from Drew Hom. That is our new site manager for Bucky's fifth quarter. If we're doing some housekeeping real quick, really excited to see Drew's vision for Bucky's fifth quarter going forward. And, uh, you know, I've been really enjoyed being the interim manager for this site and we, we grew really big in April compared to what we were last year, but I'm really excited to see even further what he can do now. And he's going to take over as site manager and we'll have more about that down the road uh, and a couple announcements going down uh, probably next week as well too. So, uh, but yes. So if you guys haven't seen Drew Ham is our new site manager, we'll hope to have him on the show hopefully next week to talk more and uh, we'll go from there. But uh, anything else you got before we take it home, Owen? No, man, just glad to be back. It's been a pretty uh, pretty lean couple of weeks. Uh, this is a bit of a slow season. Uh, recruiting's in a dead period or a, a somewhat dead period. And uh, with, with Badger spring football done and basketball team, obviously, you've been for a month um, or even long. But, yeah, it's just kind of a dead time. Uh, so uh, make sure to keep up with the Badger softball team. But uh, just not a lot going on. Obviously, the situation was this last weekend and measure. Wow, it was cool. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's uh, 
glad to be back. And yeah, hopefully we'll have Drew on next week. Drew's a very, uh, as he, as he, uh, humble as well. Um, but he is very funny and, and yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely curious to see his vision for the site, uh, moving forward. So, uh, yeah, it's just moving forward. Thank God the weather's starting to turn around and summer's right around the corner. So, uh, good things happening all over the place. Um, so yeah, we'll be back next week with, with Bucky's fifth podcast doing that. So I'm excited for that. Absolutely. And yeah, you mentioned Wisconsin softball. Can't forget about them. Uh, you had, uh, uh, was it, uh, the Badgers, uh, softball team, 40 and 12 on, uh, they clinched their third consecutive NCAA tournament bid and they'll play in Oklahoma for the regionals on May 17th through the 19th. And so, uh, that's huge for the Badgers there in terms of what they've done and really just how, uh, They've really, uh, you know, it's been really impressive to see. Um, even you have the fact of, of Kayla Conwent, who became the Big Ten's player of the year and was a first-team all-conference player, and her numbers are just astronomical this year. I don't have them offhand, but oh, actually I do. She, you know, She's a junior. She, uh, she led the Big Ten in batting average, 492, slugging percentage, 992, on base percentage, uh, 601. RBIs, 46, and home runs, 15. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, it's really impressive to see what she did this season. And so, uh, kudos to the women uh, on the softball team and looking forward to seeing what they do, uh, you know, coming up this upcoming weekend uh, in Oklahoma, in Norman. So, uh, on that note, folks, you know what I'll do real quick? Let's break down where you can find us. You can find us on Facebook, like us there. Follow us on Twitter at B5Q for Owen. It's at Reese draft for me. It's at Jay Coco B5Q on top of that uh, Instagram Bucky's fifth quarter spring photos up. We'll, we'll do some fun things coming up uh, in the coming weeks too, uh, just to show off some more pictures. And then uh, also uh, for this podcast, right? Uh, how can you find us? You guys can go to Apple podcast, Google play, you got Stitcher, you got Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. Guess what, folks? You're going to find us. So check out, you know, make sure you guys search Bucky's Fifth Quarter, Bucky's Fifth Podcast. We're right there for you. We're a proud part of the SB Nation family. And so that's going to be a lot of fun, too. Uh, you know, and we really enjoyed Josh House from the Finsider. Uh, and coming up in, you know, next week, we'll figure out some more. Uh, ins and outs and more content coming to you let us know what you guys want right uh as owen says what type of reviews owen five star only that's it that's it Don't accept anything less than that however make sure you tell us what type of feedback you guys want uh you know for what you want for this podcast what do you want the vision of this podcast to be we we want to make sure this is this bucky's fifth quarter is not just a website where we dictate to you guys your community Tell us what you want on these podcasts. Do you guys want some former Badgers on talking about what they're doing now? Uh, like one Marcus Trotter, congrats to him becoming a PHR and MD. He is Dr. Marcus Trotter now MD. So congrats to him for graduating from med school this week, past weekend. Uh, do you, where else, who else do you want us to tell, talk about? Let us know. Uh, we're here for, you know, we want to know. Uh, so, but uh, make sure you guys leave us reviews. Help us boost this popularity of this podcast to be one of the best covering Wisconsin athletics. And uh, on that note, I'm going to start, you know, jabbering. For Owen Reese, this is Jacob Kowalski. Thanks again for listening. 
talk to you guys next week here on Bucky's Fifth Podcast.
Thank you.